Welcome to the Voice of Family Business on Capitol Hill. It's great to have you with us. With each podcast from Family Enterprise USA, we bring you the latest news, expert opinions, and insights affecting the country's largest employer, the American family business. If you like this series, please remember to subscribe and sign up for the alerts as future shows are posted wherever you download your podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Kilker Henderson Properties, the leading medical office provider in Silicon Valley. This episode is hosted by Pat Soldano, President, Family Enterprise USA, and Policy and Taxation Group. And her guest is Drew Everett, Chairman of Bush Brothers and Company, makers of the famous Bush Beans. Now, let's listen in on what these experts have to say about the state of our country's multi-generational family businesses. Well, welcome to today's podcast. I'm Pat Soldano, President of Family Enterprise USA and Policy and Taxation Group. If you don't know who we are, we advocate for multi-generational family businesses and their lifetime of savings at a national level in Washington, D.C. We work for family businesses, successful individuals, and clients of family offices all around the country, all industries, all sizes. Today, we have Drew Everett, chairman of Bush Brothers & Company, makers of Bush Beans, among other well-known food products. I think everyone knows the famous brand name, Bush Beans. But there's a few things I think will surprise you about the well-known Knoxville, Tennessee company. Drew, it's great to have you with us today. Thanks for having me, Pat. Glad to be here. Terrific. So the Bush Brothers story is more than 100 years old. And it is, of course, famous now for the ad on TV where Jay Bush says to his dog, roll that beautiful bean footage. It was iconic, and I suspect it took your family business to a new level. So, Drew, can you tell us a little bit about the history of the company and how you managed to keep the family business in the family, which is so important? Absolutely. We actually got our start in uh, 1908. My great-grandfather began canning tomatoes actually four years prior for the Stokely family, who was local to uh, East Tennessee as well. Um, He bought their interest out in 1908 and started Bush Brothers and Company. And it was actually his second business endeavor. He had uh, started a general store in the community of Chestnut Hill uh, several years prior, and that was his original entrepreneurial endeavor. But he built Bush Brothers for his kids, and that was very important to him. He had four sons, uh, hence the name Bush Brothers, and he also had two daughters. So he began the company Canning Tomatoes, one product for many years, and then began to branch out into other vegetable products, canned vegetables, and then pass the company down to the second generation. And his, all four of his sons and both of his sons-in-laws were involved in the family business at one time prior to his death. So he achieved the goal of creating a business for his family and also creating a business for the community of Chestnut Hill, Tennessee, which is a very small rural community in the base of the Smoky Mountains. It was very significant because he wanted to provide opportunities for others in the community to be successful and to achieve uh, success in business along with him. So we expanded our product line into a variety of other canned vegetables. The second generation actually grew the company through regional expansion. We purchased facilities and parts of the Midwest that were closer to some of the growing areas for the products that we were making. And so all through the second generation, we grew through regional expansion. 
And then uh, in the third generation, when the second generation of family leaders passed away, my third generation cousins, Condon Bush and Jim Ethier, recognized an opportunity to build a brand and to go into a product line that we had actually developed a couple of decades before. And that was our baked bean product that my cousin Condon had invented in our uh, Wisconsin plant. And so during that third generation transition, uh, we hired a family business consultant to help advise us through the second to third generation ownership transition. Uh, We hired an independent board of directors that guided us in not only building our brand that you mentioned before, but also in uh, developing the discipline of strategic planning. And so that ultimately led to us narrowing our focus on branded value-added beans, primarily our baked bean products. And uh, that's when we launched the advertising campaign with my cousin Jay and his dog, Duke. And that indeed has propelled our growth over the last three decades. And I would say kind of the key to our successful transitions from one generation to the next, particularly from second to third and then third to fourth, has been a commitment to educating uh, the family about family businesses and also creating a governance structure that has facilitated the education of the family and also transparent communication amongst the, the family ownership group. So the family is now fourth generation, is that correct? That is correct. So we have, I'm a fourth generation family member, and we have some adult fifth generation family members who are involved in the family governance and and in the company as well. So maybe you could tell us kind of the size of the organization, how many employees, where you are geographically, those things. Sure. So we're located in uh, primarily in East Tennessee. We're headquartered in Knoxville, Tennessee. My family is originally, as I mentioned before, is originally from Chestnut Hill, Tennessee, about an hour's drive east of Knoxville. Uh, We still have our largest manufacturing facility in Chestnut Hill, and we also have another facility in a little town called Augusta, Wisconsin. And so all told, we have about 700 employees that work for our company amongst those three locations. And we also, uh, about uh, 12, 13 years ago, we opened a visitor center and museum in Chestnut Hill to uh, share our story with our consumers and visitors to the uh, the Great Smoky Mountains area. So that's fascinating. And I have to ask you about the the Bush Beans commercial and Jay Bush and his, and his dog, Duke. How did that all come about? Well, it started, I guess, uh, when my third generation cousins uh, took over leadership of the company. One of the opportunities they felt that we had as a, as a family business was to build a brand. I don't know that we ever expected to build such an iconic brand that we did. But uh, we hired a a senior VP of marketing and we began to build a marketing capability uh, within our organization. Uh, We went out and hired an advertising agency that came up with the creative idea. And we ran the first commercial with Jay by himself and we introduced Duke uh, the following year. The rest is history. So I think we're the maybe the second longest active advertising campaign, current active uh, advertising campaign. And uh, we've certainly enjoyed a lot of success. And I can't go anywhere uh, without somebody asking about the dog and and wondering about him. He seems to be the most popular figure um, around these halls. Totally understand that. It, it is a great, great advertisement. 
So, Drew, as, as you know, we have determined that 59% of the jobs in this country and 54% of the GDP are generated by family businesses. And one of the things that you're well aware of that we do at Family Enterprise USA is we try to educate members of Congress about family businesses, the importance of family businesses, what they do, what they're like, how do they treat their communities, their families, their employees. So what do you think our leaders are missing about family businesses like yours? Well, I'd probably say two things. One is the actual statistics that you just shared. I think that's probably the best kept secret in America that uh, family businesses are responsible for such a large, you know, employment base in our country, as well as uh, the contributions it makes to GDP. It always amazes others that I talk to uh, when they learn the significance of that. But I think the other thing, too, is, you know, the family businesses, I mean, we have, most of us have an overarching motivation to serve our communities and uh, to serve others. And I think Ours is expressed in our company mission statement. We've adopted a shareholder or a stakeholder optimization model that suggests that we kind of balance the needs of, of several constituencies. It's not just the, uh, the shareholders that we care about, which we obviously do, their family, but we also care about our employees and we care about our communities and we care about the other people that we work with. Uh, so our suppliers are important, our customers are important. And we certainly uh, value our consumer. And so I think that the combination of those, you know, those interests and, and, and that um, commitment uh, to those stakeholders is very significant. And I think you'll find a lot of other families that believe in similar things and are very significant to their communities and really support the broader communities in which they live in. Well, you talked a little earlier about Chestnut Hill and the, the visitor center that you have there. But you've made your family's home place, as you call it, into this destination for visitors. How important is the community to your business and and how do you nurture the community, your local community? Well, I think, you know, as I mentioned before, it was it was my great grandfather's dream to to create a business for his family, but to also uh, serve the, the local community and provide opportunity beyond just the family. And so. You know, that was very important to him as Chestnut Hill is is a very rural community. There weren't as many opportunities for people to create success for themselves. And so having uh, the the vehicle in which to do that uh, was very important to him. Certainly, we've been, you know, a big part of the economic development in our local area. We have great relationships with our local community and they appreciate us, which is really important. And certainly, I mean, we source our our employee base and our team members uh, from that local community. And so they've really supported us over the years. I think it's been a a very mutually beneficial opportunity for for both of us. Well, you just talked about your employees, which we've learned are very, very important to family businesses. And in fact, family businesses, another statistic that members of Congress don't know, 46% of them pay better in terms of wages and benefits than non-family businesses. So this brings me to kind of the workplace environment that we've been talking about recently. Do you find today you need to do things differently to keep your workforce engaged and fulfilled? So example, I mean, obviously the hybrid work environment, remote working and creating at the same time, kind of create or continue to create this company's culture So what are some of the biggest workforce issues that you find you're facing in the business 
And at the same time, maybe you can answer this question that we ask all family business owners. Do you have generations of employees working in the business? Well, I'll I'll say um, that really we have been uh, not maybe not as challenged as some in terms of, you know, attracting and, and retaining our employees. I think that speaks a lot to uh, who we are as a business. I think it speaks a lot to what we've tried to create in terms of a culture and and a great place to work for our employees. And I think, you know, we have such a relationship with the folks in our community. People people want to work for us because I think they, they realize that, uh, you know, the values that my great-grandfather espoused, integrity, responsibility, trust, and caring, they guide our decisions, they guide our behaviors, and and that really influences uh, the workplace. And so, and, and really by the commitment of those values, uh, we seek to you know pay be very competitive um, in terms of compensation and wages with our employees. Uh, we provide excellent benefits to our employees, and we still provide retirement for our employees as well, which we think is very important for folks. And so, that's been kind of our formula you know, in addition to the cultural aspects of our company. And it actually helped us, I think, through the COVID period. Um, And it's really helped us, I think, navigate this, you know, the challenge that a lot of companies are having with the hybrid workforce. Uh, We haven't had to deal with that as much. Uh, We really have such a a team-based, relationship-oriented culture that people wanted to get back to work and wanted to be back in the office and be together and 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 really uh, cultivate those relationships that are so important to us. So given the fact that, you know, between two thirds and three fourths of our employees are uh, folks that work in our manufacturing facilities, I mean, they didn't have the option for, for hybrid work. So uh, they had to be there every day. And I think out of respect for those folks, those of us that were in the office uh, or that came back to the office that had been remote to some extent through the COVID period, um, wanted to get back to the office and 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 really reestablish that culture. So that's been really important to us, and and um, it's been kind of a I think a hallmark of our company, the way we treat employees, the way we create uh, development opportunities and advancement opportunities for them uh, to grow within our organization. Well, I'm going to go back to the family for a second because I know that the f- business is a hundred percent owned by the family. As you talked about, you have fifth generation adults. You talked earlier about the work you've done around family governance and building a council and building a structure and hiring a consultant to help you with transitioning the business from one generation to the next. But where do you see the future on that with this fifth generation coming in? What are your expectations and, and what are you doing to move forward to many generations going forward? Well, that's a great question and one that we're we're really focused on today. Um, I would say uh, the two words that come to mind when I think about our fifth generation and our rising sixth generation, actually, is uh, education and engagement. And so uh, we're trying to capture this group of owners um, early um, as children to introduce them to the company that they're a part of, to help educate them about the legacy of the family and, and of the business and the significance of that. And, and what we've been able to do through our efforts around education, uh, sending the family to family business uh, programs, and developing a governance structure that includes a family council, a private trust company, in addition to our board of directors, it's created opportunities for family members to engage and get involved 
with family business without necessarily having to be employees. And so, you know, just like a lot of other companies to get to their, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth generation, uh, we're spread out um, across the country. I've got cousins that live all over the United States. And so by creating opportunities for the family to come together, whether it's our annual uh, shareholder meeting and education weekend, or whether it's a different um, education weekend that we conduct every other year during the winter months, those are opportunities for the family to come together. They're opportunities for the family to maintain relationships. They're opportunities for the family to learn more about the business and the opportunities uh, for the business going forward. Uh, there's a transparency to the way that we communicate with the family. So, so people are very well aware of what's going on um, and they appreciate that. And I would say in addition to that, we're starting to, you know, really capture that younger generation and and, and educate them earlier on and, and getting them interested and helping them understand that there are opportunities to engage and, and be involved in the family business. So one example of that is a um, is a retreat that we just conducted uh, this past summer for some of our younger fifth generation family members. So we grabbed a group of kids that uh, are young adults uh, that were kind of between the ages of 18 and 30. And we got them all together and, and had a couple of days of education and personal development and helped them to really see where those opportunities could be for them as they uh, grow up in the organization or grow up in the family. Well, that's really incredible. It sounds like you're going about it all the right way. And so I know you'll have good results. It's so important to engage that next generation, educate that next generation, and as you said, provide those opportunities for them within the business. So I'm going to switch gears now. I'm going to go back to Congress and talk about the Congressional Family Business Caucus that I know you're aware we helped Congress to form. It is a bipartisan caucus, Democrats, Republicans. We have four co-chairs, two Democrats, two Republicans. Currently, there are 31 members of this Congressional Caucus. The purpose is really to educate members of Congress and voters around family businesses It's a bipartisan, non-policy educational caucus. We think it's really, really important. So when you think about, you know, earlier I talked about legislation and and how legislators can help you. Can you talk to us a little bit about kind of family business policies? What are some of the critical maybe tax and economic policies, legislation that's affecting the business, affecting the family, that concerns you right now? Well, I think about a couple of things right off. I mean, one that's that's closer into us that that we've that we've worked on in the past, and that's the estate tax issue. And and um, I, I think you know, you know, families a lot of different family businesses have different tax structures and so forth, and that can create challenges for them. But we had you know sort of an estate tax concern about a decade ago, and we actually hired a, a legal consultant to help us. Uh, sort of navigate uh, the potential uh, estate tax risk that we had as owners of a family business. Uh, we identified that uh, during the um, transition of our third to fourth generation and recognizing that uh, that there was a significant risk with you know some of the estate plans uh, within the family. And so we addressed that risk by having a consultant kind of help us uh, identify ways in, in which to uh, facilitate ownership transition to the next generation. And through that, we actually identified an opportunity to create a private trust company. And so uh, that was 
um, we established that in 2012 to kind of meet the needs of the uh, family shareholders that were uh, managing their estate tax plan, um, that were creating trusts to facilitate the transition of of ownership, um, you know, to the next generation and so forth. So uh, that's one way in which it's affected us. I think in terms of, um, you know, maybe other policies and things that um, impact us, I mean, we're we're definitely um, being pressured right now with with inflation and the inflationary environment that we're in makes it difficult. You know, we don't have the maybe the scale that some larger companies do. So that's always one of concern for us. But I think, you know, just having a friendly tax environment and really just an awareness um, up on Capitol Hill of the significance of family business of what they contribute to the to the economy uh, of, of the United States um, is something that I just feel like gets overlooked. And I think the more people can appreciate that and understand uh, you know, the significance of that and, and the potential impact if, um, you know, if families aren't able to, um, you know, maintain ownership of their business long term. And lots of us want to do that. I mean, we, we're we certainly falling that category to, to remain family held and to move uh, the ownership of the company to the next generation. So, Well, yes, the estate tax, as you know, corporations don't pay estate tax, individuals pay an estate tax. So they're the families are the ones that suffer because of the estate tax. I'm glad to hear you've done some planning around that. It is still very hard to plan and it still affects more people than people realize or voters realize. But let's switch to the income tax. You know, what we've learned through our annual survey is that 80% of family businesses are pass-through entities. So they're paying the ordinary income tax rate of 37%, whereas corporations pay 21 That not only affects the families of those businesses because that income tax is paid by them individually, but that flows through the workers because there's less available to pay the workers. So how does income tax play into your tax planning? Well, we're not a pass-through entity, so that doesn't impact us directly. But I do uh, know lots of other families, uh, you know, just through the relationships that I have with other family business. And I know how impactful that can be. And that certainly makes it difficult. And to your point, you know, it has a it has a broader reach uh, than just the owners. And so uh, when you, uh, you know, when you have that level of tax burden that has to be dealt with, it does detract uh, from your ability to to innovate, uh, for your ability to maybe reinvest in the future, certainly in your ability to, uh, you know, pass on some of the or to be able to, you know, compensate your workers uh, more competitively and those kinds of things. So, um, you know, we've we're we're a C corp, so you know we're very aware, uh, you know, of the business tax, and and certainly that's a you know that's a big big deal for us. But um, I know there are other family businesses that uh, you know have a much larger uh, tax exposure, uh, depending on the uh, you know their their situation. Well, you mentioned earlier about the fact that you formed a private trust company, which acts kind of as your uh, quasi-family office, which I think is very, very interesting. So maybe you could talk to us a little bit more about the structure and how that operates. Sure. Um, And it's very specific to us. I mean, I think that's the the nice thing about creating the trust company. Um, We we could um, basically um, develop it to meet the needs, uh, you know, the, uh, of the of our family, um, and and one of those, um, you know, as I mentioned before, it was kind of born from uh, this estate planning work that we did 
uh, with a consultant several years ago. And um, and what it has become now was, um, you know, we recognize this opportunity and a need uh, that the family had for trustee services, trust administration, um, and those kinds of things to preserve, uh, you know, the integrity of the trusts that were created uh, to facilitate the ownership transfer. Um, but what it has become has been a little bit bigger than that. And so uh, we've got a great staff that that works at our at our trust company um, and supports the family. And, and it has become a great resource for us to really engage with the younger generations as well, because it's a great opportunity to begin the discussions about the family business with them, to begin to talk about the legacy of the family business, and to also help them understand uh, the significance of the business as well. So um, from an education standpoint, it's been great. Um, that has sort of spurred on some additional you know, engagement opportunities for some of our younger uh, family members. And, um, and I think that's really going to help uh, drive uh, future engagement or further engagement as they uh, get older and uh, either potentially become interested in in employment in the business, perhaps, but but certainly um, in our governance efforts that uh, that we have on the family council, on our our company board, or on our private trust company board. I think that's an excellent solution. Uh, every family business faces this at some point of how do you deal with the family side of the business and the finances of the family. So sounds like you have a good solution there. So this is my last question. It's kind of a broad question, a little um, complex in, in terms of the 30,000 foot level perspective. As you look at the broad economy, society and, and politics today, are you confident of growth or do you see some real challenges ahead? Well, I definitely see challenges. Uh, I think, uh, you know, we're probably not unlike a lot of other businesses out there. I mentioned inflation earlier. Uh, that's certainly been one of the uh, one of our concerns over the last, you know, 18 months to two years. But uh, we also feel like we have a great product, um, a great product line and a great brand. And uh, and again, we're here to serve our consumers. And so, you know, we're, we're committed to our employees. We're committed to our consumers. Um, committed to our community. And so um, I think we we have the resilience uh, to weather uh, whatever storms in front of us. I think we have a lot of optimism about our future because we think uh, we believe in the bean. And so uh, we we believe it's a superfood. Uh, we believe it has a great uh, nutritional value and uh, people need to be eating more of them uh, in order to uh, facilitate good health and longevity and so forth. And so we've got beans for all occasions, whether that's, uh, you know, the family cookout with uh, hamburgers and hot dogs and those kinds of things, or whether it's more, you know, just in your everyday diet with uh, more health conscious products uh, that we have available as well. So beans are good. Beans are great for you. And, and we certainly want to encourage people to continue to eat them. You know, it's a, it's a healthy form of protein and we're excited about the opportunities to innovate and continue to bring products that delight our consumers. So certainly, you know, there's there's economic pressure out there, but, you know, we've we've been around for 100 years. We've seen economic pressure uh, many, many times, and uh, we feel like we can overcome that. That's a really good point. You have overcome a lot of challenges, economic as well as political. And you're absolutely also right that beans are great protein food. So, Drew, it's been fascinating talking to you. I want to really thank you for your time. 
I know our family business listeners appreciate your insights and have learned a lot about the challenges facing America and family businesses. And now they know how their voice can help change things for the better as your voice has done. So thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. We hope you liked today's show and we hope you subscribe to our podcast. Each episode discusses the critical issues affecting multi-generational family businesses around the country. You can find this podcast wherever you download your podcasts. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this week's Family Enterprise USA podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Inolex. This is the only series devoted exclusively to the critical issues facing America's family businesses, the families that own them, and family offices. We hope you like this week's show. Please make sure to subscribe and tell others about our podcast. Your voice in Washington, D.C. and throughout the country can make a difference. We look forward to having you listen to us next time.